Hello, uh, this is Reverend Mary Ellen Swartz. Um, I'm an ordained unity minister. And recently I shared some parables of Jesus. I love the teachings of Jesus and particularly the parables because um, uh, so, so much of his teaching was done through parables. And so um, the meaning of a parable, I want to just say this first before we go into the parable that I'm going to share with today. A parable is really a multifaceted story. It's like one theme that has many levels of meaning. So a parable is like a short story that's designed to illustrate or teach a, a truth, a principle, a moral lesson, whatever. And the thing I love about the parables of Jesus is that the word pictures that he uses um, are really timeless and even though the setting is hundreds of years ago it's really timeless and so uh, I find that they they really challenge us to find deeper meaning and application in our lives so the, the parables that I wanted to share today all have to do with something lost and found. And there are three parables I want to consider with you today. All three are found in the 15th chapter of Luke. And so each of these is about something being lost and found. One is searching for a lost sheep. Uh, by a shepherd. One is about a woman who has lost a coin and she's sweeping the floor to find it. And then the final is the son who is welcomed home by his father. Now to set the stage, these three parables appear to be Jesus' response to some complaints that were made against him by the religious leaders of his day. Uh, in other words, it wasn't thought to be fitting for a holy man or a teacher to interact with social outcasts, with the uneducated, the unrefined, the unreligious, uh, those who just didn't measure up in some way. My goodness, doesn't that sound familiar? You know, just it's a story that keeps reoccurring with every generation. So Jesus and his criticizers, um, what it seems is that what he is doing is is giving us a reminder, and people of that day as well, that what other people think about us and about our path really isn't that important. The most important is what we think about us and what we think about our path. And the stories of things being lost seem to me to be a reminder that everything has value. You know, whether we're talking about the sheep uh, or animals, animal life, whether we're talking about uh, silver or gold, coins which can represent abundance and prosperity or whether they represent family and people use the using the symbology of the sun 
So the focus here is not on why or how something got lost or misplaced. The focus is on finding it. And so for me, one of the bottom line takeaways from these parables is that we're all worthy no matter what path uh, we've been on, what our path has been like. And it's a reminder also that it's okay to feel lost. We all feel that way at times. It's more important to focus on finding ourselves than it is on trying to figure out how we got to where we find ourselves. And so being found is somewhat up to us. But there is another thing to remember. Who and what we are is never lost. Our connection with God and the source of our good is never lost. It can only be forgotten. And that's always just a temporary thing. And then, for me, it's a reminder that heaven is always a thought away. It's not really lost. Our connection is not really lost. And so when we change our thought, our perspective, then that is what makes the difference. So these parables that I wanted to touch on today have to do with lost stuff. Have you ever lost something and then you spent time trying to find it? I think we've all had that experience. Maybe it was some important papers. Maybe it was a, a cell phone. Maybe it was our sunglasses. Maybe it was our keys. And so we spend time looking for it. And some have had the experience recently. And, and so uh, whether it's the keys or a cell phone, something we misplaced, we considered it important to find it. And so we retrace our steps. We think about where we last had it or where we last used it. We might even get other people involved in the search. And in the process, often we get so tense and stressed. And sometimes we are so determined that the item was lost that we aren't even able to see it, even if it's in plain sight. Have you ever had that happen? I have. And personally, I've had some amazing results by using an affirmation that I learned in Unity. Nothing is ever lost in spirit. And in the case of something that's been borrowed without permission, or another word for that is stolen, we say nothing is lost in spirit. Nothing is stolen in spirit. That which is mine by right of consciousness is returned to me or... It's the equivalent is made manifest in my life. And with an affirmation such as this, I find I am able to take my focus off of what seems to be lost and I put my focus on it being returned, it being found, and it being manifested. So in the Lost Sheep story, the setting is um, something probably that the people that Jesus would have been talking to 
um, understood very clearly. It was that of raising sheep. And so he immediately puts the hearer in the picture. In other words, he says, imagine if you were a shepherd and you had a hundred sheep and one of them went missing, what would you do? Now to bring a little bit of light on this, um, in Lamza's uh, book, Gospel Light, George Lamza's book, um, he explained that the use of the number 100 for sheep raising um, at, for people at that time um, was some, an important number. The, the cultural belief was that someone with 100 sheep was well-to-do. And so the desire um, would be to have 100 sheep. And it was so strong that if that number went down, even by one, they would be more concerned than if they actually started out with 75 sheep because 75 sheep wouldn't have the same meaning as 100 sheep. 100 sheep meant that someone was really prosperous. And that um, so, so that bringing that flock back up to 100 represented a, a, a completeness to their prosperity, to their abundance. The other uh, parable is one of a lost coin. And in that parable, the story is the theme of a woman who had 10 pieces of silver. And she lost or misplaced one of them somewhere in her home. Now, the coins would have been earned by the woman and made into a necklace, perhaps. Sort of like her savings account. That would be like her savings account. Uh, something that would be cherished. Something that would be important. And so, in this story, Jesus is asking, what would you do in this case? Well, we all know what we would do today. We would search and find that that important and valuable thing. In, in the story, it says that she would light a candle and sweep and turn the whole house upside down to find that lost coin. And when it was found, her friends and family would rejoice greatly. Now, of course, they would rejoice, but today as well. But back then, one of the reasons they might rejoice was because more than one family would have lived under the same roof. So finding the coin meant that no one who lived there would be a suspect in the disappearance of that coin. The third parable is that of the lost son. Now this is probably the most well-known of Jesus' parables. It's about two sons, a younger son who took his share of the family wealth and went out on his own, and then the older son who stayed home and uh, played it safe, I guess we would say. Now we could say that the younger son learned a lot in this school of hard knocks, leaving home and, and having some really hard experiences. And when he hit bottom, he decided to go home. 
throw himself on his father's mercy and just ask to be treated like a servant in his father's house. But surprise, when he got there, he received, first of all, from his older brother, condemnation and judgment concerning his past decisions and leaving home and so on. But, and this is the, an important point in this story, the father only had love and acceptance and celebration for that son's return. Now, it would be an understatement to say that these are three great stories. Stories that almost everyone could put themselves into. But we want to remind ourselves it's not as important to put ourselves in the story as it is to get something out of the story that can be applied in our lives. Something that can be applied in the context of our spiritual growth. So now let's look at some of the symbols in these stories and see if we can find something that applies to us. In scripture, Sheep and shepherd are symbolic of the spiritual mind. Unity would say that sheep represent the natural life or spiritual energy that flows into our consciousness. And a shepherd would represent the activity of our higher consciousness that guards and protects that spiritual energy. So now, how might this apply to us? When one of our sheep, or said another way, when one aspect of our spiritual energy seems to wander off on its own, our higher self or our spiritual shepherd is always on guard to bring it back safely. Our higher self or the shepherd part of us knows that each part of our life depends on every other part. One never stands alone. They all work together in the expression of wholeness. One is not more important than another. Every power, every um, uh, spiritual expression is important. An example, love on its own might be unwise. And so it's important to combine love with wisdom. Another example, our power of judgment on its own could be judgmental, but when it is combined with love, it is just. The coin, a coin of any currency represents potential energy. Currency has no power. It's what stands behind the currency that has the power. We sometimes say money of itself has no value. It's our use of it that gives it value or importance. So now a lost coin could represent our spiritual abilities that have been forgotten or misplaced. In the story that Jesus told, the woman was aware not only of the coins she had, but she was aware of what wasn't there. And maybe we can 
relate to this and let this be a reminder to do an inventory of our spiritual talents and abilities and strength is there one talent or ability that we haven't been using or that's been misplaced and that we need to seek out and find again bring into our awareness so how do we go about recovering it the story says that she lighted the candle that's the first thing she did which to me means she turned on the light of awareness have you noticed as I have that we usually don't find what we're looking for if we look for it in the dark it's going to elude us but we turn on the light and we can see what we didn't see before so we could say when we turn on the light of understanding we can more easily find what we feel we've misplaced we may stumble in the darkness right but when we turn on the light or we hold the thought that um, I'm one with divine mind I know I remember I understand perfectly I'm being guided we put ourselves in the position of being balanced and sure-footed that's like turning the light on and we begin to see what we weren't seeing before the lost son my sense is that these three parables that we're looking at today were actually part of Jesus response to criticism that was leveled at him by the religious leaders of the day. They believed, as a holy man and teacher, Jesus should not be mixing with the common people. He should not eat with or share the teachings with those that were considered the unreligious, the uneducated, the unacceptable of that day. As a young person in a very traditional church, I was taught that this story was about repenting, um, that when one goes astray, they're wasting their life. And they need to repent and then reconsider and rethink. But the word repent is not a bad word. It's a good word, actually. Um, I have since learned that repentance isn't about an outer action at all. It's really about a change of direction, a change of mind. And isn't that what Jesus taught us to do? Rethink, relook, reconsider. But what if Jesus wasn't just talking about some lost soul being welcomed back to the kingdom? What if, no, please don't turn me off right now, because this, I know, is kind of a radical thought, but what if he was talking about himself, that he was considered maybe one who left the traditional approach? one who dared to consider some new ideas, 
one who was willing to go out into the highways and byways and meet people right where they were to heal and to help those who were overlooked or ignored or shunned by the leaders of the day. What if he was inferring that the older son that was left kind of represented the religious leaders that were only interested in keeping the status quo, that they weren't receptive to new insights, not willing to see that keeping the spirit of the commandments in thought and feeling was as important, if not more important, than outer actions. What if? And I encourage you to just ask that question, a two-word question. What if? What if? What if the two sons in this story really represent two parts of our consciousness? Now, the story begins with a man who had two sons. What if that man or that person really represents part of us? And what if we have two suns or two directions that our energies can go? Two directions we can choose for our thoughts and feelings. What if the elder son represents the direction of the conservative, the old ways of thinking and believing? And what if the younger son <clears throat> symbolizes the direction that is, is open to new ways of thinking and believing? And perhaps, and I'll say, what if? What if the main figure uh, symbolized in this story is the father? And what if the parable here is reminding us of the waiting father. And think of it this way. We can ask for what we want from the source of our good. And our source is non-judgmental. It always is pure love. It doesn't question how we want to go about asking our question and finding our answers. In one way of looking at it, we can be like the older son. We can choose to ask for more of the old thoughts, the old beliefs, the old thoughts. And that's okay because unconditional love is just there. Or we can choose to ask for something new, new insights, new understanding, new levels of realization. And that's okay too. It's non-judgmental and just brings to us more of what we are seeking. And so it's up to us to choose. And regardless of what we choose, there's always unconditional love for us. In the story, the father loved and welcomed the one who stayed at home and said, son, I've always loved you. I've always loved you. The father loved and welcomed the one who had been away, experiencing life, and indicated 
no matter what direction you have chosen, I love you, I accept you, and you are my son. So just a reminder here, we get to choose. The kingdom of heaven is always a thought away, and we live in that unconditional love of that which not only creates us, but sustains us and maintains us forever. And one final thing I'd like to say that I have learned in my journey, there is no last train to catch. If we don't get on the one, there's another one, and there's another one, and another one, because we are on the never-ending eternal journey of love and and fulfillment. So God bless you. God bless your week. And you are wonderful.